Welcome to broadcast number 29 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and to give you some tips and tricks for your journey into game development. Today, I will be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. And I will be your co-host, Ian Jones, with a really boring intro. And I'm Andrew Thumb, this week's guest. I'm 21, and I live in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've been developing games as a hobby for most of my life. I took it commercially in 2008 when I developed Fairy Soldier, and I'm currently working on a turn-based dungeon crawler called Dungeon Dashes. Uh, we'll do the news right after this short music break. So, as always, we're going to start with our indie news. Um, just to let everyone know, I am sick right now, and my voice is a bit out, so if I start coughing, I'll try to exit the area so Ian will take over, but, um, yeah, my voice is bad. So first up, we have letter from the chairman, welcome back soon for Indie Games Festival 2013. Um, it's the 15th edition of the IGF, it says. It's a landmark. And uh, the first one was in 1999, just in case you can't do the math. And it says that they're going to be opening the submissions for IGF 2013 a bit later than they usually do. And um, I said that it's going to be opening in late July instead of mid-June this year. Uh, submissions will be closing on October 17th for the main competition and October 31st for the student competition, and they also said this from this year forward, previous IGF finalists will not be allowed to re-enter the same game subsequent festivals. I can't read either, apparently. And then there's no longer a mobile category. Um, the number of finalists has been raised from five to six in each category. Uh, the showcase winners for the student Competition will increase from 500 to 1,000, and there's a bunch of other little things that you can find uh, just via IndieGames.com or the Indie, Game Indie Games Festival website. Well, um, so the latest Humble Indie Bundle had a net worth of $5 million, uh, $5.1 million total, and payments across 598,977 purchases. So all the people who only paid like one said, it kind of, you know, we had outliers like that, but then we also had the outliers like Notch and the Humble Brony Bundle that paid thousands, tens of thousands of dollars this time. Um, so the average price paid by purchasers of the bundle was $8.53, and, and it's just been going up each time, it seems, pretty much, so... Who knows what it'll be next time. Uh, I guess you could say similarly, uh, the next news article is um, that Minecraft became the biggest selling XBLA game now, with 2 million purchases. 
being out Castle Crashers. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It said that less than a month after its release is that it became the biggest selling game on the Xbox Live Arcade. Well, based on revenue. And it, that, that was after a month, and it's probably been, I don't know, two months now? So, who knows what the number's at right now. Well, we could probably go Google search it. You want to do that, Ian? Well, I move into the next topic? <laughs> nah. Alright. So, um, game salad and play having shows impressive results. Um, basically they, or they, Game Salad integrated PlayHaven's ad service into the Game Salad creator, so pro users can actually create, or create some revenue from their games, and then they said that since they've had a few months of performance under their belt, they'd like to share some of the results, and, uh, this article, it's, um, about seven paragraphs long, there's some little statistics in here, such as uh, many developers seeing gross eCPMs above $10 and nearly 100% fill rates. If play having takes 50% cut, developers are seeing net eCPMs in the $5 range, and some developers are earning thousands of dollars per month per game. I don't, I'm not quite sure what eCPM is. Hmm. What is that? Cost per... M, which is like stands for thousand or something, doesn't it? Is it? Maybe not. Oh, there it says effective cost per thousand impressions. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yay for Google. <laughs> Except it says per milli. Milli. Yeah. Ha. But well, mil. The prefix would be a thousand. Yeah. Good point. Ha. <sighs> Make me feel stupid. You lose, Brad. <laughs> Stenciling around. Well, as we talked about last week, or two weeks ago, there's Stencil 2.2, and it's now released. It's the whole update to streamline the user interface. Uh, so they've added universal game settings, improved testing workflow, and then just some other random various changes. Um, so you can choose things like the orientation, app type, and frame rate, things like that, with the universal game settings and other just very nice, useful little tidbits. Yeah. So, I'm not quite sure how this whole Sensil stuff is working, because they just came out with Sensil 2.2, but Sensil 3.0 is supposed to be coming out next month, or at least a beta of it is. Yeah, well, Sensil, right. yeah, yeah. Stencil 2.2 wasn't nearly as massive an update as Sensil 3.0, whereas 3.0 is supposed to kind of fill in the gaps with the other uh, platforms that they haven't allowed you to release to with Stencil before. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, I'm guessing that there's going to be a free update then, because if there wasn't, then that would be kind of pointless. Or, not pointless. I, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, and then our final news for this week is a bunch of bundles that have came out lately. Um, there is the iUp bundle. I believe it's the second one that they've had. Um, I'm not sure if it's the second or the third. Because uh, I, I haven't heard a lot about it, but... Oh, iUp bundle too, yep. <laughs> anyway, it ends this weekend. You get Tesla the Weatherman, uh, Drains, Itchy, Clone Wolf... In 48 chambers, most of the games are PC only, although um, 
two of them run on Mac, one runs on Linux, and they all are able to be downloaded through Desura. There's also some bonus games for anybody who uh, beats the average. No, it's not beat the average. Um, every 250 bundles that they s sell, they add more things to it. Like the first time they added some soundtracks, and the second one they uh, unlocked three games. And then I don't know what the next one is because it's it has question marks, so I can't tell you guys. I'm sorry. That's forgive me. There's also the Indie Royale bundle going on right now called the June the Bug June bundle. bundle. I'm sorry, just had to interject that. <laughs> three days left. Uh, the only game that I recognize is Pixel Junk Eden. Although there is also a scapegoat, Note to You, Love to Devotion, and Auditorium. So if you guys want to check that out. And then there's another one that I've never heard before. It's called the Be Mine Bundle 3. I don't know when the first one or the second one happens. So have fun with this. It's uh you can pay what you want, it looks like. There's been about twenty thousand sales so far. There are six games. Oh, days left, by the way. So six. you can totally still buy this. Yeah. Okay. No, there's five games and then the sixth one is a link to a cancer site. So it looks like some of the money goes towards there. And um there's Odd World. Abe's Odyssey, plus uh, Exodus, Avernum, the second trilogy, Hamilton's Great Adventure, Be Mine 3 Collection, oh, this is a uh, album, it looks like, for all the games, and then Red Orchestra, Ost Front, 41 to 45, so that's probably another music collection, maybe. Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry. And uh, you can check that out at groupies.com slash be mine three. That's the number three, by the way. Oh, yeah, three. Put up my fingers. You don't even have to spell it. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. All right, and uh, now that our news is done, we'll be moving into our interview with Andrew Sum. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> So Andrew, um, not everyone, everybody that was here at the beginning to hear your little bio, um, or no, how do I say this? Not everyone that's listening in, you know, heard your bio earlier, so if you could do a little reintroduction for uh, our new listeners, that'd be great. Okay, um, I'm Andrew Sum, I'm also known as Jigsaw Andy, or used to be called Assault Andy as well, on the internet, I'm... <laughs> I'm 21 and I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've been developing games for a long time, or as long as I can remember, as mostly as a hobby. And um, I made a game called Fairy Solitaire with another guy called Brian Kramer. And currently this year I'm working full-time at home developing um, a game called Dungeon Dashes, which is like a dungeon-crawling game. 
um, with pixel pixel art and chip tunes and all that fun stuff. So, um, Dungeon Dashers is actually the reason why we uh, get a hold of Andrew, uh, another Andrew, Andrew Brophy, <coughs> who a lot of you probably know, um, told us to send him a ring, and uh, Dungeon Dashers looks fantastic. And, um, like he said, he's, uh, I can't think of the genre now. Crap. Um, what, what do you call it again? What, sorry? Uh, the genre for your game? I, I can't think of it. Oh, that. um, Dungeon Crawler. Dungeon Crawler. It's like Dungeon something. I going to say Dungeon um. Basher, but <laughs> that didn't sound right. So, um, you said that you've been developing games for as long as you can remember? Yeah, I mean, I guess I started out, um, with things like Visual Basic. Uh, my dad's... Do um, in the IT industry, so I probably saw him doing something, and I guess I wanted to give it a try. And I I made little crappy things with VB, and then I moved on to um, click and play. And uh, so I've used I'm sure most of you've heard of click and play and the Games Factory. Um, and I still use Click Team products. Uh, I'm using Multimedia Fusion Two at the moment which is quite similar to Game Maker, which a lot of you probably know. And, yeah, that's where I develop most of my games in these days. And that's what Dungeon Dashes is being made with as well. Oh, you're answering a lot of our questions. <laughs> Usually we ask, you know, what programs have you used? You know, what are you developing Dungeon Dashes in? But you're just nailing them all. It's pretty good. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, when are you expecting to release your game? Um, I, look, there's no final release date, I guess. I'm going to be, I'd rather have a quality finished game than um, push it out before any release, certain release date. But I will say that I'll definitely, I, I'm definitely aiming for it before the end of the year, hopefully within a few months. Um, it's one of, the, one of those things where, you know, you, you get the feature creep, you start start off early in the year. I start I started in about um, January or so of this year, but I was still doing my uh, degree at uni. And so I probably started working on it um, full-time around March. And, yeah, so hopefully by the end of the year. And then so how are you expecting that it'll take about nine months total? That's pretty well, I was I was probably thinking uh, when I first because um, I'm doing this in I guess developing games full time this year. I was thinking, you know, what project do I want to start with? And I was thinking of a side-scrolling platformer where you where you're an emu and you're running around. there. Yeah. I thought, no, that's not really what I feel like doing. Um, and then I decided to do this, which was a little more ambitious. But I still thought I could push it off in three or four months. But of course. You know, I can't quite do that. Uh, so I decided, yeah, I'll just make sure it's quality. So, um, at once you're all done developing it, how are you planning on distribu yeah, distributing your game? Well, it's already been uh, sold for pre-purchase on DungeonDashes.com. I... 
Um, I'm also I'm aiming to release it on Steam as well. Uh, that's not guaranteed at this stage because I haven't submitted it yet. But because I have Fairy Solitaire already on Steam, I'm it should be easier to get it on. And I yeah, I'm gonna keep trying. If they if they reject it the first time, I'm just gonna keep on trying and making it better until they do accept it. Um, some people over in the IRC are bugging me about you not being in the IRC. They want to ask you some questions for the show. Ah, uh, sure. Do you want me to jump in there as well? Ah, uh, yeah. Cell wants you to, apparently. So there's a link. Uh, <laughs> we, we obviously have to listen to Cell, so. Yeah. Ah, uh, is that, um... Oh, wait a sec. I'll jump on there as well. Yeah, I should set you I think I might have talked to Cell on, uh... The Ludum Dare chat. If it's the same Cell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most likely. We're on the same network, and... I usually jump in there as well. Alright, I'm logged on now as Andy Sum. WZL, uh, the stream is probably delayed. I think it's about, like, four seconds. So, it's not terribly delayed. It's more so, so I don't look at the chat right away. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh, so you got a question for Andrew then? Yeah, this is waiting slow for part. the typing and plus the delay. That's really not a good combination. So don't make it so complicated. Oh, say weasel. weasel, not WZL. Okay. Alright. I can remember that. Why are there so many people in our IRC that have, like, really weird names and they expect us to be able to just, like, pronounce it, like, perfectly normally? What was the other guy? EXE Mass? No, no. It was a guy from, like, a couple of shows oh. ago. He had, like, some really weird name. And, oh, it was, um, E, 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 Elfroth. E, E, Elfroth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was. (laughs) One of those names that's not meant to be pronounced. Solutionist, right? Solutionist. Ah, God. Alright, so do you have a question then, Sal? Well, while we're uh, waiting, uh, Andrew, what tools do you use to uh, design graphics and music and such? Uh, well, I don't actually do... For Dungeon Dashes, I'm not actually doing the graphics or the music. Um, oh. I'm doing all the programming, and then there's a couple, There's one guy called Alex HW, and he's doing all the pixel art, like the monsters and the um, characters and stuff like that. And then there's another guy called uh, Philip, or no, also known as Dusty, and he's doing all the tiles... Uh, and then there's another guy in Melbourne who's done the chiptune soundtrack. Uh, and then I guess I do a lot of design stuff on uh, just like typing things out in Notepad. Uh, there's it's gonna it's probably won't be too stat heavy. Like it's gonna be a dungeon crawler, but I kind of want to keep it fast paced. Um, so I I do have to work out stats and and do that kind of design, but I don't have to. Um, grill away with that sort of crazy design thing. I just sort of guess I add what I feel will make it more fun at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of like the whole turn basing you did, where it's like you can move or attack and use of like yeah. different mouse depending on which one you do. So you kind of have to think, oh, do I just want to kind of like run away so that they won't be able to reach me, or do I want to like go over and attack them and then try and back off a bit or something so I can finish them off with the next character or stuff like that. Yeah, um, 
it, uh, that was from the, the in-dev build, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, in the, in the final build, you'll be able to pick out all your equipment, and the idea is that with a lot of, with a lot of RPGs or dungeon crawlers, uh, and even, and roguelikes too, you kind of, you level up and you get, you get skills, but I kind of wanted to keep it really flexible with, with the skills you got. I, I wanted to, so I decided that, um, the items you have will, will be what gives you the skills, and then when you go into a dungeon, you can bring in, um, whatever items you want, and they'll give you the right skills, so it's more, it would be more about picking the, the right, um, tools for any moment, and that was the kind of strategic, um, idea behind it, so as you're saying, you can like, you can sort of play it however you want, you know, you, you work out what's best for the situation, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in that build, there was only a few a few skills. I think like you, Archer can shoot an arrow and that basic stuff. Yeah. So so far in development, what do you think has been probably the hardest part? Uh, right at the start, it really wasn't much fun to make <laughs> because it's going to be online multiplayer. So um, you'll be able to play with your friends over the internet and. I had to do a lot of back-end coding, which meant like doing all the network code to make sure that you know all the movements and stuff are sent and it doesn't desynchronize and things like that. And that's really hard because you you do all this code and you, you can't really see it, or you have to do a lot of a lot of code before um you can test it. You can test it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. You can. You have to write this stuff to send the messages, but then you have to you know run it and yeah, it's it's difficult to, to test until it's done, and you don't know if it'll be a good system um, until afterwards. So that was that was really difficult. But once that was up and in place, then it's been a lot more fun to work on. Like I used to have to, I found it difficult to motivate myself during the start of the project, and I didn't have. I was using placeholder art at that stage as well, and and still working on the design for. I was still thinking about the art style I wanted, and but once that's all in place, now it's it's pretty fun to work on because because uh, I spent so long doing that back end. Whenever I wanted to add a new enemy, it's not many lines of code. It's quite straightforward, and that's what's good about it now. So you mentioned that you didn't really particularly enjoy it at the beginning. Do you still not particularly enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's much more fun now. Um, yeah, it was just difficult uh, at the start because you can't really see where your effort's going. But now it, it's more visual because I've um, the, uh, Alex is, is always coming up with new great graphics and uh, they're always really fun to put in. It's, it's, cool, it's cool to see a static sprite and then sort of make it come to life and it always feels like uh, whenever you add a new element, it just gets that little bit better, mm-hmm. rather than yeah. Because I'd have to, I'd have to. Uh, when I was programming at the start as well, I'd have to write lots of lines and do like sort of longer sessions because it's, I'd forget where I was otherwise. But now I can just you know add an enemy in I don't know half an hour or something, and it's yeah effective. Is it really? 
how related is Dungeon Dashers to Dungeon Dash? Like, is it just completely different, and you just chose a similar name and whatnot? I mean, I'm assuming it's kind of, it's the same genre and everything, so... Right, so, Dungeon Dash is a game I made for uh, a short click chain competition, which we won. Yay! <laughs> I did the coding on that, and another guy called Jess Bowes did the art. Um... That's something that's sort of annoying me in that, in that that's called Dungeon Dash, and this is called Dungeon Dashes. Uh, I kind this is this Dungeon Dashes is a spiritual successor to Dungeon Dash, and I guess when I was making Dungeon Dash, um, I, re, I I thought about this sort of wouldn't it be cool if it was multiplayer, and hmm. it feels it feels like a fast-paced dungeon crawler. Um, but I, I, the, the name thing's annoying me a bit now because I don't think Dungeon Dashes is really a very good name. And it's kind of starting to, to stick the longer the game's in development for. But I, I guess I can always rename it. But um, back, to, back to, is it the same sort of game? Uh, not really at all. It's, it's just this spiritual successor. So I guess the fast-paced feel is there because Dungeon Dash is quite fast uh, if you haven't played that. You just sort of you can hold a direction and run there and, and kill a bunch of monsters, but it also means you can die really quick. Uh, there's a lot more with dungeon dashes. You can think if you want to, but you don't have to. So you can run in, you can run in one direction and hack a monster until he's dead, or you can spend a minute thinking about what you're going to do and if you have enough points to use your skills. And the, I guess one of the one of the, the feelings I wanted to convey is if you're playing it online. Um, if you're playing Dungeon Dashes online with a friend, I'd, I think it'd be cool if you if you open a door and there's a whole bunch of monsters inside and you're like, oh, crap, what do we do now? You know, and start talking about what strategy you could do. And that's what that's one of the uh, things that excites me about actually being able to play it when it's done. <laughs> yeah, um, Ian, do you remember an interview that we did with um, somebody who said that if they didn't want to play their own game, they wouldn't make it? Who's that? I remember the interview. I don't remember who. Alright. But yeah, that, that reminded me of a previous interview. You know, they said they're not going to make a game unless they want to play it themselves. And if they <laughs> if there's a feature that they want to add, but they don't think that it would be that fun, then they're just yeah. not going to add it. It might have been an interview that I read from about Notch, maybe. About Minecraft. I, it could be. I have a pretty interesting perspective on that, because... I made Fairy Solitaire before I made, well, before I started working on this, and Fairy Solitaire is not the kind of game I would normally pick up. I still think it's fun, but to be honest, I made that game to uh, take this commercially, you know, to make money, and Dungeon Dashes is different because it's it's a game I'd like to play. It's a game I think is fun, but, you know, to make Dungeon Dashes, I needed, I need, I need, to pay artists and to pay musicians, so I guess very sol. I think I think it's um, I think it's actually okay to make a game that you wouldn't necessarily want to play, but as long as someone, as long as you're still making a, a fun game for that you know someone else will enjoy, it, I think that's possible. It does make it a bit harder if you don't know, because you can't evaluate if your own game's fun if you don't if you don't enjoy it. Uh, we have we've had emails and stuff from people playing Ferris Solitaire saying they uh, like you know they're in hospital and it helped them 
pass the time or something like that. So that's really nice to hear. But I, yeah, I do think you can you can make a game uh, for a, for an audience different to yourself. But it's definitely uh, feels like less work when you're doing something that you're making a game that you know you will want to play in the end. Well, do you ever have the uh, <coughs> do you ever yeah. have the problem of like it's a game that you enjoy so much that even while you're making it, you kind of as you're testing it, you get lost <coughs> playing your own game. <laughs> that happens, happens to me a lot. <laughs> um, that happens when I'm usually with Ludum Dare, not because I well, I, I sort of enjoy playing it as I'm making it, but. Playing it is a lot easier than making it too. So um, I have some time lapses up. I, if you YouTube, uh, I think I think my YouTube account's Jigsaw Games or something. But I've got a couple on there, and you can see that if you watch a time lapse, there's so much time that I spend just playing the game that I'm making, because I guess it's always easy to just run it and and then run move your character around and jump. <laughs> and but by doing that, you sort of you, if if you're doing something like Ludum Dara, you get the that gives you ideas because you, I guess that design or that development style is uh, sort of feature driven. Like you, you play, f you, you play for a little bit and you think, oh, this is fun to move around. What can I add next? And you do, you do as you, as you ask, you do spend a lot of time uh, playing your own game, but it's useful time mostly. All right, Cell uh, had a well, a good question. Um, can you? Is it going to be player versus player? Will that be one of the options with Dungeon Dashers, or is it just going to be cooperative? I, from the start, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have player versus player. Uh, Dungeon Dashers was sort of inspired by the idea of just getting together with a bunch of friends and going through a dungeon together and killing lots of stuff. I have I've been asked that before, and I'm. If there's lots of demand, I can always think about it, but then that's just, you know, another another feature. But it hasn't been designed with that in mind. So I think I'm I think I'm gonna stick to my guns and, and do focus on cooperative first. So Andrew, um, this is a question we always ask, but what tips do you have to other game developers out there who are making games? Uh, there's a few different things. I mean the first one is Definitely make games. I mean, that's how, I guess that sounds silly uh, to tell people that advice of making games is to make games, but I guess that's similar to, you know, if someone wants to be a writer, you say, um, if you want to be a writer, you should write more. Uh, things like, as again, again Ludum Diary is really good because it forces you to, or pretty much forces you to finish a game. Um... But yeah, definitely make games. Uh, I Fairy Solitaire wasn't created. Um, it wasn't my first game. I'd made a bunch of freeware games before. Heaps of them were rubbish. Uh, so yeah, just keep on making games. Make make small games too. Um, try and knock things off in a weekend or a couple of weeks. Get together with someone who motivates you as well. If you're good at coding, find an artist and pair up with them. Um, so yeah, make games. I guess another thing is um, what helps me to. I think what helps me to to understand a lot of game design better is to 
analyze games when you play them, but that's an easy thing to say, but um, check out what it is that makes them good and what makes them bad. So if you're playing a, a game and you're, you just think in your head, oh, this is awesome, try and recognize the moment that, or the moment or the event that made you realize it was awesome and made you think what was so good about it. Um, and you can do this for games you don't even like. Um, I played, I remember, you know, Farmville. I just didn't, just didn't want to play it. It just didn't appeal to me. And then I thought, I should give this a go because obviously there's going to be something in it. So I sat down and I played it and I wrote down all the little addictive mechanics that made it feel good, all the, the bars and the numbers and things that pop up. And then they sort of become a catalog. So I don't want to make a game like Farmville, but if I want to apply some of the addictive mechanics that are in there, I can, because mm-hmm. um, I've remembered what they did. And, and the same thing goes with bad games. If you play bad games and write down what makes them bad, then it's pretty easy to avoid those things in the future. That makes sense. Uh, Stell asked, how close to your house with a baseball bat do I need to get to make you add friendly fire? <laughs> friendly fire to dungeon dashes. What's what's Cell's obsession with wanting to kill his friends? Well, and- apparently, <laughs> he used the example that, uh, what was it? Shit, can't find it. Oh, yeah. Like you're tired of your mate not giving you 70% of the loot. Kill him. Done. <laughs> well, I'm going to make the loot share, I guess. You'd probably all get the same thing. Or, yeah, it'd be even... The, the idea of the game is meant to be fun to play with your friends. not meant to want to kill them. Um, you're meant to feel like, yeah, you're uh, winning together. Being friends is awesome. Everything's happy. If you want to kill your friends... Uh, Play something else. Do you have any recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, play life. I mean, oh, oh shit. Did I said that a lot again? <laughs> Dude, who has a life? I said play life. Don't have a life. Oh, right? Lives are retarded, let's be honest. But. Yep. Uh, have you guys played Diablo much? Diablo? Yeah. No. Uh, I played Diablo 3 a bit. And I'm too poor to possibly buy it at the moment, so... Yeah. I mean, that's that's got sort of a loot-sharing thing where it all drops, uh, you know, your own unique stuff. But, uh, that's I mean, that's way different game to what Dungeon Dashes is. Um, but, the, yeah, I probably don't want to have that kind of grindingness in Dungeon Dashes. It'd probably be more like you get to the end of a dungeon, there's an awesome chest, and you find some cool sword or something like that. I want the items to be more, like, really unique, so each one has a, like, a tied skill to it, uh, which is unique for that item. Um, I forgot to bring this up in the news, but, um, Indie Game the Movie just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you said that you saw it, right, Andrew? I actually watched it today, which is good. <laughs> I I had um I I kickstarted it or I participated in the Kickstarter about a year ago. So I got sent a download link but I have been away in, in on holidays in Paris and London, so I only just got back and I've been too busy. But I finally around to watching it today and it was it was really awesome. It's great, movie really inspiring, what everyone else has been saying, it's just uh, fantastic. And my name was 
in the credits along with a million other people for the people from the Spanx. <laughs> so that was exciting. Um, have you guys talked about it on the show before? Um, we've mentioned it a few times, but uh, this is the first time talking about it since. Well, since was... seeing it, this is the first time talking about. Yeah, it. good point. Yeah. Yeah, it was really. So you, did you watch it on the net as well, or did you go to the cinema? Or? Uh, yeah, no, we we had to watch it from uh, after it was released on June six sixteenth or whatever. Anyways. Yeah, I watched it on my brother's iPod. He rented it from iTunes, so yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think it made you feel about, um, you know, development and stuff? Uh, it just made me that, like, it was so crazy how all these guys had, like, mental breakdowns towards the end of the development, and it's, you know, it's a lot different than, you know, what me and Ian do, because we don't, you know, we're not doing it commercially, so we don't have... And we don't really set stress. deadlines, which probably doesn't help out very well, but oh well. <laughs> Or yeah. actually, okay, we, we did set a deadline for one thing that I recall that we were working on together. It was a website, though, and, well, it's not doing Indie Burst. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I noticed I had breakdowns as well, and that was that reminded me of when I was releasing Fairy Solitaire, and I didn't break down and cry, but before, like, a few weeks before it was, you know, the last few weeks of development, and the last few days especially, I wasn't, I was working crazy, you know, pulling all-nighters and waking up um, and just working on it straight away as well. And during this whole time, I was at university too, so I, I went to classes <laughs> still, uh, which is probably silly because I was really tired. But I I can relate to the them putting so much emotion in it because I felt really sick the f few days before it was released. And... When it was, uh, when I was finishing off the builds as well, because for me, uh, I felt sick at the idea of thousands of people seeing this thing, and my biggest fear was that there'd be some game-breaking bug where it just wouldn't work. Because we, we were releasing it through Big Fish Games, and they feature one game a day, and they get you know a million. View, a couple million views a day, so they're oh, gonna wow. a bunch of people are gonna oh, play the demo. A bunch of people are gonna play the demo, and, and if it didn't work, it was just oh, it made me feel sick in my stomach. Yeah. And and then I we'd submit a build, and then I I have this sort of OCD perfectionist thing running through me where I'd, I'd have to play the build and just keep clicking on stuff, making sure it didn't break, and then it would break. And I would just feel really ill because I'd have to spend more time fixing bugs and send it back to them again. Because um, I didn't, I didn't have like a test, a test suite either. So whenever I finished the build and thought it was finished, I'd have to play it uh, over and over, <laughs> play it a bit until I was happy that it was working properly. Awkward silence. <laughs> Another awkward so, do you think you're gonna get that way with uh, Dungeon Dashers? Get all six years summer again? Yeah, yeah, I think I definitely will for the when it, if gets on Steam for my personal releases on my website. Probably not so much because I know I can always update them really quick. But the Steam builds are having dealt with that for Fairy Solitaire, they're quite time-consuming to. To create, because you've got to do, all, you've got to get, you have these um, 
repositories and you've got to upload your files and compile it into a sort of nice, neat, nice, neat package, putting all this information. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's quite time-consuming for each when you want to do that. I mean, it's got to get approved and it takes uh, a little bit of time to go up to. So, I, what, one thing I found interesting about Indie Game the movie was a lot, um, both Fez and Team Meat, uh, sorry, Phil Fish and Team Meat were driven by, you know, they were both on the, uh, the both near bankruptcy too, mm -hmm. running out of money. So, that was, that's an interesting factor in driving them to make that, their games. Yeah. Are you on the verge of break, uh, bankruptcy too? <laughs> um, not for this, but for, for very, I live at, I live at home still, because I'm only 21, but my friend, the guy who did a lot of art for Ferry Soldier, his name is Brian Kramer, and he was, he was putting a lot on the line for Ferry Soldier, he was, uh, you know, putting a lot of his energy into it, and I, I think he was pretty close to running out of money, so he, for him, he can probably relate to that movie too, but I'm 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 fortunate enough that um you know still at home and my parents can uh you know pay for food if anything happens. Why don't people see the bravery in any game developers? <laughs> also, well, I mean, are we gonna ask Cell's question. What was Cell saying? Um. Well, now Cell's wondering what your best pickup line is. Um. It's, hi, I'm an indie game developer. Just works every time. <laughs> that's so funny because... Yeah, so C-Cell. Oh, I just read, that's yours different. as well. Just, yeah, he doesn't say developers, so they don't think he's serious. That must be what yeah, it is. No, that's you have to say it. developer. God. I have tried saying I'm an indie game dev. They just look at you funny, but if you say indie game developer, you're in. It's just a special place in their heart for indie game developers. <laughs> But yeah, he said, I'm Brett Boy, I'll compile our love in C++, it hasn't been working for him. It got way too quiet there, I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to find more, more programmer types to use that on. Or wait, what? For the, the pickup line. Oh, gotcha. Hey, Bradkins. Okay, don't answer them. <clears throat> so, what do you guys think about all the uh, the bundles that are coming up? Because we were talking about that before the show as well. Like, the Humble Indie Bundle, the Indie Underdog. Seems to be a fair few of them. Oh, I think it's insane how many bundles are out right now. Like, uh, the two that I like are the... Well, actually three. I like the Game Music Bundle, because that's... I mean, that's not really games, that's just music. And, you know, I usually put a dollar towards that. <clears throat> um... Then there's uh, the IAP bundle that I really like because they support a lot of uh, smaller projects and some of them are games that I recognized from ages ago and that's cool. And then of course the Humble Indie bundle because that was the original one and they always do some big title games that everyone recognizes or some ones that you've heard of but you're not quite sure what it is. But uh, there's probably like four or five others, you know, the Indie Gala, Indie Royale, uh, that new Be Mine bundle. And then I see some other ones are on the web. And considering the average price is usually about $5 on them, although the uh, Indie Humble Bundle, or Humble Indie Bundle, wow, that was a fail. 
Humble Indie Bundle um, went up to almost $9 this time, you know. If, if you do the math, there's about eight of them. If you spend $5 on each of them, they come out about once a month. That's $60 a month right there. Compared to when it was just a Humble Indie Bundle, you know, like a year ago, they come out with a new one every three months. That was $20 a year then. So, I think it's a bit ridiculous how they're just going over the top with all the uh, bundles. Although, they, they need to make their money, but I don't know. It's just a bit ridiculous. What do you think, Andrew? Well, you can see why other people want to do the bundles because, yeah, after seeing Humble Indie Bundle get really popular, um, everyone else wants to give it a go too. And, I mean, the, ga the games in Humble Indie Bundle are much, probably a lot better quality than all the other bundles, to be honest. I, I don't think I've bought anything besides Humble. Um, now that I think about it, I. Humble's. Well, I think the, the minimum price thing to get. Uh, the extra games is always good too because you know it gives you a bit more incentive to pay that. Like when when it first came out, I think I was I paid you know a decent amount, but yeah, now that's so frequent, I just feel like paying the minimum is getting games to add to my Steam account because I, I think a lot of people just want the Steam keys as well because Steam sort of makes owning a game more tangible. You know, having a big list of games and and humble bundle just gives you a whole bunch that you can just say. You know, I've got another 10 games now because of this, rather than buying them <laughs> individually. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel like with the with having a Steam account or, or a Desira account? Actually, just having a big list of games is sort of cool. Oh yeah, definitely. I've maybe paid, I don't know, $25 for my list of like 40 games. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, like, like a psychological thing people sort of... You know, like owning, seeing that they own stuff, have a collection. Mm -hmm. And humble, humble bundles got the Steam keys, whereas um, some of these other ones don't really. I mean, some of them do, but. but yeah, my friends are always like, "Jesus Christ, Brett, where do you get all this money?" And I'm like, "I paid twenty five dollars for that." They don't ever believe me though. <laughs> one cent for all eight of these games. Okay, six. Fine. Six games. One cent. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm like, hey, if you guys want to send me a quarter, I'll buy you like eight games. <laughs> They're like, what the hell are you talking about? Does anybody in the IRC have any little, um. God, what's the word? Oh, opinions on uh, all the bundles coming out? Ian, perhaps? Why would I have an opinion? I'm not allowed to have an opinion. That sucks. Question. Why hasn't Cortex Command been highlighted on the show? Cortex Command is the only game that I was, play these days. No. Well, ugh. That was, that was from Cell. Sorry. Right? Yeah. Oh, hey. I'm not sure. Uh, have, you, have you guys played it? No. I played it a bit, but I it probably has some newer version of it now. I haven't updated in forever. I don't even know if I've played on this computer. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't played. Uh, I haven't played it um, recently. I got it a while ago, but I I find the movement sort of. I'm not sure if it's changed now, but I found the movement just sort of difficult to go with. But mm -hmm. I guess that was a while back, so I haven't really 
given it a good go recently. Yeah. I think it was coming yeah, into it. Sucked at it. Is it coming to like version? Did it reach version one or something recently? I have no. Let's see. Do do do. Cortex. Um. Weasel said uh, bundles are okay. I guess I'm not sure about how profitable they are to the devs, but it Buy sure now, is. All future versions. <laughs> but it sure is some good exposure. Um. Hmm. So you're looking it up then? I think it's version 1. No, it's still a work in progress though. So, even if it is version <laughs> 1, it's still definitely being worked on. I mean, it was a cool concept, I just kind of sucked at it, so. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of controller support and stuff, yeah. I, th I think it's really fun that they. Just shooting stuff feels really good. Like, you can hit them in the, you know, the head and stuff, and they. The body parts react differently when they explode, and it's cool like that. Well, like, I just, there's so many things you can do with the whole, like, oh, yeah, you know, you can build, like, whatever you want to build, this, you can go ahead and do that, and then you have the multiple bodies, and, um, uh, and then, like, the digging and things like that, like, it works so well, because it's a little, like, whatever that thing is called, destructive terrain, or whatever the, it's supposed to be called, but basically... It just worked out really well, so my only issue is that if I could, you know, play it with an easier difficulty, so I could get better at it and <laughs> then move up from there, that'd probably work out a lot better for me. Yeah. Uh, Sales just said that the bundles, if people don't want to pay three dollars for an indie game, that equals dead developers. But then I made the little <laughs> um, uh, point that you know. The bundles are well. The humble indie bundle, at least, brought in five million dollars collectively. So, divide that by the eight games plus the charity plus the humble bundle, and that's like half a million for each game, probably. And then Cell said that they're using it all on candy. So, <laughs> if it, I think if you look at a lot of the sales statistics, which are available out there for uh, for for these. Crazy sales when people drop the prices of their games really low, especially on Steam. They sell a lot more in, in volume, like they make up for it in volume, and so you do end up getting more money even though you sell your game at a cheaper price because just more people are buying it a lot of the time. Um, I was just looking but at I, the stats for this, but I, I think what Sal was trying to say is that the um, it's sort of, if, if you can get games so cheap in the Humble Indie Bundle, then it devalues other indie games, so, mm -hmm. like, if, if you can buy the Humble Indie Bundle for, yeah, six bucks, five bucks, uh, why would you pay ten dollars for some other single game that's, you may not think is as good, or you may think, why get one game when I can get five? Mm-hmm, yeah, I guess I didn't think it mean, that way. For me, I buy the same amount of... I just buy games when I think they look cool. I'm I don't hold off and wait for humble bundles to get the games and and a lot of the time because they throw braid in every bundle. You know I've already got that when it comes around. But I I guess for me I just buy if a game is ten bucks I'll I'll buy that by itself and then when the humble bundle comes I'll get that too. But I probably not everyone's like that. Some for people with lower budgets. Yeah. It, for people who, who you know, want, only want to spend a little bit on, on games, they probably only buy Humble Bundle, I guess. 
think the reason why uh, Braid and Super Meat Boy were in this bundle is because Indie Game and Movies just came out, and they probably go on and do some marketing or something for that. Yeah. But it didn't say Super Meat Boy. Uh, Super Meat Boy had sold like a, over a million copies or something, so I guess you can throw away a few as well. <laughs> yeah. But then again, that was on the Xbox Live Arcade. Oh, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I got Super Meat Boy in Humble Bundle 3. So No, it wasn't in 3. Was I would have had it already then, so... Was it in 4 was... then? I think they brought it back in 4 or something. Anyways, I want Fez on the PC... Yes, yes me too. I haven't played it. I have an Xbox, but I don't use it. It's like a paperweight. I, I <laughs> haven't ever uh, gotten any points on Xbox Live because I don't like paying Microsoft, and yeah. <laughs> Very true. Is there um, any news on it for PC? Like, it is, is going to come out, right? Just not slated. Well, I mean, considering all the demand, hopefully he'll, he'll fish it. Yeah. We'll, we'll um, finally release it. But um, I don't think he said anything about the PC version, so it's very disappointing. Polytron is their website, right? Polytron? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Polytroncorporation.com, that's what it is. I'm like, Polytron.com isn't showing up. Okay. So, uh, he just put an update out, it said. Um, issue with a problem on the thing. May 30th. Fez sells 1,000, uh, well, I mean 100,000 on Xbox Live Arcade. I'm guessing that's copies, not money. It's $15, so it's just, that's $1.5 million, holy crap. They're not going to get all of that, you know. Yeah. We got a lot of chunk, but still a shit ton of money. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it just says Fez was an independent... Video game for Xbox Live Arcade release on Friday, April 13th, 2012. And I don't see anything about the PC version, but... Um, I think um, servicing the IRC that uh, it's not coming out <laughs> on PC. In quotes, oh. Fez will never get to PC. Hey, Cell, do you still have that bad? That's because Cell said. Good place to good use. Cell <laughs> said because Microsoft owns part of the right, so it's never going to get to PC. Which is really disappointing because I really wanted to play Fez, and I have a PS3. And but it actually uh, still makes sense for it to get to PC then. I mean, literally, PC, like Windows PC. Yeah, that doesn't like, make sense. Windows Live or something. I and, mean, uh, it, it makes sense because Microsoft. And XNA works on both PC and. That's kind right. of point. Xbox and PC is what I'm trying to say. You could even still use controller and everything. Mm. I thought I read somewhere that, that um, the licensing was only like a six-month thing as well. Even if you couldn't... You might have been, might not have been able to talk about it, but I think it was... Well, they usually only do like a six-month one, so... Maybe it's not for... The exclusivity isn't forever. Ah, so you don't... You wouldn't be able to... I'm just speculating. Like I think I read that somewhere, but I can't remember. Gotcha. And it really wouldn't be that hard to port to PC. All you'd have to do is change the controls a little bit, add a feature to change it between controller and keyboard, and there you go. I mean, would there be, really be anything else that you'd need to change? It's... Uh, it was probably... Was it written in X and A? Yeah. 
So well, you can run X. Yeah, you can generally run. But still, you'd want to set up the controls for keyboard and stuff because at the moment it's just controller, and that includes things like the tutorial, the graphics, and whatnot. We have to change somewhat for the whole like oh, showing this key on screen instead of a button or whatever. So I mean, it'd take a little while to get all nicely poured over, but yeah. I can I can imagine that I don't that wouldn't take too long though. Because I mean, it's been how many years did it take to make Fez though, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> But hey, he's on. He made Fez three times, though. So. Or four. Yeah. Four. I don't know. Whatever. Like that. It, it was still kind of ridiculous, but. Yeah. It took about a year of version, though, I right? I so. that video of my Fez cake that I had for my birthday. Uh, I'll add that to my to-do list. I have like 20 sticky notes on my wall for things to do. To play Fez. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you just have a massive list of games that you need to play and finish? Uh, or is it just Fez? Well, most of these are different stuff. Like, uh, like one of these is a joke that I need to tell my friend next time I see them. Um, oh, wait. I told that, actually. Uh, one is to work on a site for a buddy of mine. One is stuff for Indie Magazine. This is to Fez. Uh, this is to try out the monocle engine, that's more stuff. Sticky notes are working kind of well, because I see them all the time, so. I'm running out, though. <sighs> Alright. So, Andrew, um, like, when you started developing... How far did you think that you'd get in the uh, indie gaming industry? Uh, that's a pretty tough question, because I guess I haven't really thought about the indie gaming, interest, uh, indie gaming industry, in quotes. I just... Like, I, I was... I've just been making games with Multimedia Fusion, and I, I usually release them on a site called Daily Click, which is for multimedia fusion games, and I never really thought of that as, you know, anything but just making games for fun, and that was just sort of what you did, and what I did, and what other people did, you'd just make games with that and release them, uh, and then even now, I just, I just call myself a game developer, so I'm just making games, I happen to make them with a small team and, and self-fund them, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really think about success to, yeah, I didn't really think about success, I just sort of, it just sort of evolved like this, I just like making games and now I happen to be doing it for money as well, so I can live. <laughs> yeah, because I know some people, you know, obviously people who start developing a bit earlier, they're like, oh, hey, this isn't too hard. I'm pretty sure I can become, like, the best indie developer in a few months or so, you know, I'll make this awesome game. And then, <laughs> Essentially less than a few months later. Yeah, a few months later, they're like, oh, wait, I was naive. So I was just kind of interested in how you felt. Uh, do you mean about, like, the, the personality and the, I guess, the fame of being... Uh, like a popular game developer, or yeah, like when you're you just making a 
making chains. Yeah, when you started out, were you like, oh, I'll be the best. Yep, I'll be the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, not really. I just... I just get a, when I first started making freeware stuff, I just got a kick out of other people playing my games, and I still do now. I actually, um, I was on YouTube today, and I, I searched for a couple of my games, Stray Whisker, and, what was the other one? Ant Surf Hero. And I found a couple of playthroughs of them, and they just make me laugh so hard. It's so, it's nice to see people playing your stuff, and it's hilarious when they, they do... They, this maybe is something they don't quite understand, and they just start yelling at it. Or the, a guy ran into a bug, a, a bug in one of my games, and he just didn't know what was going on. And yeah, it's it's I, I just get a kick out of seeing people play those those freeware games. So that's um, what I like about that. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be pretty cool. They showed a lot of um, stuff with the team meet, at least. In the game movie, people doing playthroughs, um, and, you know, Edmund's reaction to it, and then, well, it was actually, like, a live re reaction, for those of you that haven't watched it, they actually filmed him watching a playthrough, and him laughing, and his wife actually started crying, she's like, oh my god, this is so amazing, man. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's really fun. It is really, it's really satisfying, especially when they play it, it's really satisfying when they play it the way... You exactly designed it. Uh, so for Stray Whisker, it's sort of linear. It's not. There's a way I thought people would play certain sections, and when people do it to the T, it's really satisfying to see what I designed. They actually play it as I thought they would. So that's really fun. And yeah, it just makes you feel good when you when you see, hear other people laughing, even if they're. Uh, Laughing in frustration, it's fun. Does anybody in the IRC have any more questions? Other than random uh, conversation about baseball bats and beating people. And and, and beating other things. Oh, And girlfriends being made in C++. And drawn by Cell. Yeah. Nah, pixelated by Cell, of course. Well, I'm thinking I might do my next game not with pixel art. Like, I do like pixel art a lot. Um, and the, just one of the things is, it's, I mean, it's easy to do, you know. If you've got paint, you can do pixel art. And it's takes it takes relatively less time when you're doing something low res. So Dungeon Dash is uh, effectively pretty small res. I think it's, I can't remember now, but it's less than 640 by 480, I think, or about, about there. But with all the with all the sprites scaled up, <laughs> but I think cells cells radiant no pixel art. But uh, I think there's there's a sort of appeal that you get from having painted stuff as well. So I guess I'll chop and change between uh, them. Oh yeah, and cells also wondering why doesn't Andy follow me? <laughs> he forgot his question mark, so your question is invalid. <laughs> oh, true, it's not a question. Well, it's pregunta. You're gonna make me, like, tweak out. My my OS is starting to get all confused, because it's... It starts like a question. Pixel is a circle it, of it, life. It, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, he added a question mark now, so his question is valid. Hmm. <laughs> Too bad. So, Andy, why don't you follow Cell? Maybe I do. Maybe you should be on Twitter. Fear has too much Ajax now. Yeah. No, my boobs do. Wait, what? What? <laughs> That's awkward. You know, I wonder how it's listening to one of these without having the IRC. That's awkward. That must be awkward. Cell called me a grammar Nazi, but for but I only did an X instead of a Z. So, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my nicknames, grammar Nazi. I'm linked to, or my website's linked through uh, the words grammar Nazi on a few different websites. Uh. Another awkward moment. So, Andrew, um, where do you see yourself in, like, five years? Probably still making games. Uh, what I want to do with Dungeon Dashes is, and, and I guess games I make in the future is raise more capital so that I can make bigger and better games, because everyone's got ideas in their heads of, you know, the, that dream game or really cool games I want to make, but you got to be realistic in that games like that take a lot of, a lot of, a lot of bigger games take more money and more people, so I guess that's what I'm, what I'm sort of aiming for, you know, this is me coding this, me coding Dungeon Dashes at the moment, and um, with some more money I guess I'll uh, make bigger games, bigger scale games, and, and more, more stuff I want to play as well. And so I guess I'd, ha- I'd be interested in, in working with other people or having... My, my company, in quotes, is called Jigsaw, J-I-G-X-O-R.com. And I guess I'd want to see that, having released more games and, yeah, maybe an office or something. <laughs> or maybe I'll work from home in my underwear. <laughs> Who knows? That's attractive. You should definitely put some pictures up. I think I think that's an indie thing though, isn't? I need to ask people if they do that or. Yeah, we well, ask. I mean, sure, in your underwear. I wear pants. <laughs> yeah, I wear my hat and then lower clothing, but no, not really any, or not really ever any shirt. If I can. I wear my hair as a hat because other hats don't work. Yep. And um, the indie function chat should now be called uh, World War Two slash. Nazi Germany chat. All I said was Hitler in trouble paying the gas bill. Cell is the one you start with, Brett Knox, boy. World War II. The movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that accent was. And Cell is now all impressed that there is a Jigsaw Andy. Did I say that right? Jigsaw? Yeah. Okay. So the name comes from... Like a jigsaw puzzle, and then uh, the XOR is like a, you know, an an XOR gate. <laughs> so it's it's geeky and stuff. 
I, I just sort of, I think what I did was I just randomly looked for short, sing, uh, you know, short domains that weren't taken because that was important to me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, it's hard to get a name that isn't taken, but that doesn't have the domain name taken. Yeah. Indie function is a bit nerdy as well. Obviously. It's pretty nerdy, but it's pretty cool. No Nerdy's good. Yeah. Well, I like that, that you have an XOR little statement in there. <laughs> Jigsaws are geeky, says Sal. He said, is there any tech slash mechanic that is intriguing that you want to try to make a game with? Uh, That's Weasel. Mechanic, I guess... It's hard to say. I don't think I really think with a mechanic in mind when making a game. I guess I probably, th- if I'm if I'm thinking for an idea for a new game, it's sort of more of a whole picture. Like for Dungeon Dashes, it's like I want to make a dungeon crawl and it's going to be fast paced. Or when I made Stray Whisker, it's like I want to make a platform game where you're a cat. So it's not really one mechanic. Um, so I guess there's, there's not really a, a mechanic that I want to I want to try out. This genres probably I'd like to do maybe a, a geekier, more hardcore road roguelike. Mm-hmm. Um, for as for tech, uh, don't really know. I, can't, I don't think so at this stage. <laughs> maybe maybe like a um something more connected. I hesitate to use the word social because that has bad connotations, but something where you can, um, you know, talk, you communicate with lots of friends at once. The IRC is pretty active today. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> you should reiterate the stuff they're saying so people who don't have it can hear. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's uh, a while ago, and I forgot to uh, bring uh, it up. Yeah. Will it be story heavy or gameplay heavy? Oh, I was going to bring. And apparently, up. if you say both, you fail. That is good no point pressure. because no, I, I'm not going to fail. So it's going to be gameplay heavy, and the story is actually just going to be tacked on or secondary. As bad as that sounds, the game's going to be focused on having fun dungeons to go through, so... God, the game uh, focused on having fun? I know, like, what is that? Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, my first... Yeah, can can I have my uh, pre-order back? (laughs) My first idea was that you just pick a dungeon from a list, so there'd be, like, you know, Goblin's Cave, and Crazy Treasure Hall. Are you gonna look at any progen for it, maybe? What? Yeah. Procedural generation. (laughs) Dungeon College is more fun like that, in my opinion. No, that's that's what I want to do different about this. It's not it's not a roguelike. It's not a unlimited dungeon crawler. That's what Dungeon Dash is. Dungeon Dash is procedural generation. Dungeon okay. Dashes is going to be all handcrafted dungeon dungeons. So be a level editor. There, there's an internal or there's a private level editor that I'm using at the moment, but I've been asked that lots of times now. So I'm starting to think a public one would be good. That that would be pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. It would it would extend the. Yeah, the thing is, when I make tools for myself, they're really, uh, only I can use them because they're just a bunch of keyboard shortcuts, don't you know, you have to, like, right-click something, and then press Z, and then press 4, 
and type in some random numbers. But so uh, if you've if got I, the semicolon, that's not going to work. Yeah. Well, if I, so if I have to make a public level editor, that's going to take a bit more time. I think I am interested in it, but it would probably be something post-release. Uh, so back to the yeah, that's what I'm. I'm interested in doing it since a lot of people ask me now, but. Um, well, I mean, if, you're, if you're going to, you could also try and mix in the, I mean, this would be even more of a pain in the ass, but you could try and mix in the whole thing of, uh, cooperative crap with the level editor, so, like, you and your friends could design the dungeon, oh, and they go and play in it, but, um, like I said, that would obviously be much more of a pain in the ass than even just making a level editor for the users, so. <laughs> like a collab dungeon, uh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, I, at the stage, I'm just trying to make a fun game. So, for back to the storyline or gameplay question, um, gameplay. So, I'm you're gonna pick a dungeon, go through it, kill all the monsters, and then just jump to the next one. I didn't want it to be, I wanted it to be just jump straight into a dungeon and start going through it. Uh, storyline, I haven't really put much or any thought into that. I think that for each dungeon, there'll probably be a little bit of text which explains you know, some cool story, like, the goblins are causing trouble, go make friends, or kill them all, and steal all their stuff. Make <laughs> friends. And, yeah, but I am... Kill the women and children! <laughs> so I'm probably trying to make it, it's trying to be gameplay heavy, but I will try and put in some funny elements too. For some of the weapons I'm thinking, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make references to other movies and things like that, and games. So, uh, uh, Soldier Soft will be giant monsters. There will be giant, there will be oversized monsters, so ones that take up more than one tile. Alex is currently drawing a dragon, which is going to be badass, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. Um, and there are, I mean, there are things besides goblins and stuff. There's more interesting creatures, but nothing crazy. I know a dragon's not insane, but... It will look cool. Uh, are you planning on having a non-super generic monsters? So, ask. Mm -hmm. Sorry, what was it? Um, super non-generic. Yeah, like... Um, I can't think of anything crazy, but... Uh, there will be the normal ones. But nothing that insane, I guess. Come up with something new. Be Edmund McMillan. Yeah, maybe throw up some ideas. I'll get Alex to draw Edmund <laughs> McMillan to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just basically go through all your childhood pictures of drawing monsters and uh, grab some random ones and uh, put them in the game. <laughs> There's some weird ones in The Binding of Isaac. Oh, have you played that? I have, but not for very long. There's some weird bosses in that game, and just flat-out enemies are freaking weird. But, I guess that's what makes the game so awesome. <laughs> so any more questions, or should we wrap up the show? It's been going on for an hour and 20 minutes, just about. I'm guessing you want to go to bed pretty soon, it's... 4 a.m. there? Yep, 4.17 oh. a.m. 
<laughs> stay up for you. It's now. too soon to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> if at that point where you just go stay up till the next day. Uh, so you're gonna sleep. I'll get lunch. You know, this can work. <laughs> Wow sells advertising my site. That's, That's one of the good things about developing the way I'm developing or how a lot of people are, are doing this thing. Um, you know, you can just go to bed whenever you want and wake up whenever you want. I think normally I'd probably wake up somewhere between 10 and midday, depending. And, yeah, I've been trying to wake up a bit earlier. I think four, four is probably a bit late to go to bed normally. <laughs> it's actually pretty early for me. I I don't <laughs> go to bed till the sun comes up. <laughs> then what if you want to do something during the day? I wake up during the day and then take a nap later. <laughs> <laughs> My sleeping pattern in the summer is messed up. And then on Saturdays it really screws with me because i got to get up for the radio show. And like... Hey guys. <sighs> yeah. So we're talking about websites now in the IRC, uh, portfolios, websites. Ian mentioned he doesn't have a portfolio, but he's got like twenty websites. That makes sense. That makes and two sense. domains. Totally makes sense. Oh yeah, because uh, the. The, the first of my ever got just expired a little bit ago. Aww. It was a very touching club? moment. Club? Touching in the sense I finally didn't have to have the retarded domain anymore. <laughs> was it Futz Club or? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I gotta renew Ring Wrong soon, but I don't know if I'm gonna. This is when you give up on it, Brett, when the domain expires. But you know I'm not one to give up. You should. Nah. Yes. Yep. And now we're posting tons of different links. Ah, no, sell uh, ringrong.com. It's a social network that I developed, like, I started developing it, like, a year and a half ago, and then it, it was kind of just a joke. It was very similar to um, Google, Google+, Plus, although I started developing it out before Google+, Plus came out. So, although a lot of the features that are Google+, Plus like, didn't quite get implemented just because... Real slow. Yeah, pretty much. Seltzer <laughs> said our show is more indie self-promotion live. Right, you can't say that if you don't put on shades. Oh, sorry. Your me. eyes just burned out. You're blind. Live. Yep. That's disappointing. Yep. So, Andrew, is there anything you'd like to uh, say before we wrap up the show? Uh, nope. Just thank you guys for having me on, and thanks to everyone for their questions and being so interested. It's been a lot of fun. No problem. I'm glad that you're on the show. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, um, everyone, we're going to wrap up and uh, head to the credits right as the music starts, so. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to broadcast number 29 of Indie Radio. This broadcast is broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and was recorded using Audacity. All music is found on Newgrounds coming from Nemesis 3 and 3 Clicks Philip. Thank you again for listening in, and we hope to have you be a part of the next broadcast, which will be July 7th. Have a good weekend.